Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I have another guest on the show and I am talking to Joel Frost who is based in Cheltenham, UK. Joel is an eating disorder survivor and health coach, training to specialise in working with clients with eating disorders. Just over a year ago, Joel fully recovered from an eating disorder that he had been dealing with for the previous six years. This all started when Joel left secondary school when he had sadly faced teasing about his weight. He then went on to college and felt as though he didn't fit in. And both of these factors understandably impacted his self-worth and confidence, and Joel felt he wanted to change his eating and body image to try and feel better. Joel then turned to disordered eating behaviours, including skipping meals, purging and over-exercise to try and fit in. Initially, he didn't recognise how damaging these behaviours were, but when COVID and the lockdowns hit, Joel's disordered eating went to a new level, and when he returned to university, it was clear that something was definitely wrong, and at this point, he bravely reached out for help. Now Joel has set up his business in health coaching, training to specialise with clients with eating disorders, bringing his own experience and passion and motivation to support others. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Joel today, hear all about his story and the ups and downs along the recovery road. I'm also keen to hear what really helped Joel to navigate his way through the disorder and to come out the other side. I'm also excited to hear about his new venture into supporting others and how he is looking after his mental well-being and sustaining his eating disorder recovery today. Let's get to the conversation. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Perfect. Hello. It's nice to see you. Thank you for having me on, Harry. I appreciate it. Brilliant. So, Joel, can I get you first to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Yeah, obviously, as Harry said, my name is Joel. I am a health coach and I'm just about to do my training in eating disorder therapy. I also work in a school setting. I deliver wellbeing programs to kids in key stage two and on the side of my coaching stuff. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I've gone through an eating disorder myself, so I'm just trying to raise some more awareness, especially for young men, as obviously it's a you know quite a topic spoken about amongst females quite regularly. And I want to be something that men feel like they can come and speak about a bit more. So yeah, so trying to raise that awareness. Yeah, no, brilliant. I think it's so great, Joel, that you are just speaking really openly, because I think although more and more men are coming forward and the stigma is definitely reduced around men accessing support, still, you know, I know from working at NHS Eating Disorder Service, most of the people coming forward are still female. And I think there's many men that are struggling, aren't there, that perhaps don't reach out for help for whatever reason. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I don't think it's always amongst you know the serious end of the spectrum but there's little things when I have conversations with men who uh, give examples of you know I, I run so I can eat or you know I exercise so I can eat and it's things where habits start to creep in and little things and they think it's just normal but actually no this is something that is quite serious and can lead to greater things and again as I say raising that awareness and making people conscious of thinking like that isn't how it should be it isn't normal it isn't healthy for you so yeah that's something we're trying to do yeah so Joe could you tell us a bit about your story and I know you've struggled with eating disorder yourself and you sort of harm out the other side of that now so could you sort of take us back and you know talk us through Mm. what happened yeah so 
when I was around sort of 15, I imagine I was doing my GCSEs and yeah, food was always something I enjoyed and always indulged in and yeah, just enjoyed myself in that sense with my, around my food. It was a big part of my life for sure. And then I remember when I had my GCSEs, yeah, I started, I was quite stressed. I had to work quite hard to just get, you know, sort of semi-decent results at that age. Um, so yeah, I remember snacking quite heavily and then eating big meals and not really exercising as much shit. I was always you know, playing sports and things, but I was slowly pushing on a little bit of weight. Nothing drastic, as I say, it's, you know, as you grow and develop. But I started to notice this. So I finished yeah, GCSEs, but around that time, I was getting a lot of comments from some people at school. At that time, it never really triggered me or never really thought about it, but it was just something that I kept in my mind. It was there, I was thinking about it. So I went on to college, I left my school, which was a public school, so it was quite an enclosed environment. You weren't really seeing a great deal of people, you knew everyone there. And then I went on to college to do play golf there, because that was what I wanted to turn pro at, and I went on to there. So a new environment, and from this I was really shocked from being in this new place, and then suddenly I just found myself being quite conscious of how I was looking. So I decided to go sign up for a gym membership. I would go and sit on an exercise bike for, you know, an hour, most days I'd say for quite a while, just with the pure intention of, you know, burning calories. And so, yeah, I did that. And it was starting to, as I said, creep in poor habits. So yeah, I did that for a bit, you know, lost a little bit of weight. And then I came to the end of my college time and I started to feel more confident. I started to, you know, engage more. I created a lot more friends. I was feeling better about myself. So I didn't really see what was going on as a bad thing. I was thinking, well, I made more friends. I've lost some weight. I feel better. My golf's really good. So I'm just going to carry on doing what I've been doing. So anyway, it's sort of just like staggered at a pace where I was purging slightly at times. And then I was, you know, cutting back, restricting myself meals and then when COVID came, obviously, this idea that you had to, you could only be outside for 45 minutes was quite terrifying for me. So I thought to myself, okay, in those 45 minutes, I have to make the most of this time. I literally ran probably, you know, 10K every day. I skipped a meal. I would eat tw twice a day. And I thought that was healthy. Well, obviously, it isn't. And then went back to university for my final year after COVID. And that was really when I was in my worst place with it, running big distances, I'd got into running competitively. So yeah, I was running large distances, not on much food, really tired, you know, not myself with others. And I then watched a documentary about an eating disorder through the cricketer Freddie Flintoff. And it inspired me to think, well, it showed me, I was like, oh, wow, I have an eating disorder. This was something I didn't know. I always thought what I was doing wasn't right. But I was never thinking I've got an eating disorder, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I spoke to my mum and then she sort of looked at, around it for me, helped me with that. And then I met a woman called Caroline, who I think you've had on here before, mm -hmm. who I went through my eating disorder training with and she supported me in that. And yeah, I had sort of 12 weeks with her and yeah, fully recovered and yeah, been recovered for probably a year and a half now, I'd say. And it's just been the best thing ever since I have. So that's, a, you know, a short sort of summary of my time. But yeah, so been very good for you know, recovering now. It's amazing. Mm. Well, good for you, because it sounds as though you were sort of in, not in a great place. But actually, when you sort of really recognise you had a problem and you engaged with help, it sounds like 
things change quite rapidly for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, like obviously you can hear some stories about how long it takes for people and it could be years, you know, for people to recover. So I was really grateful, you know, through straight away with Caroline having that rapport with her, which was an amazing starter, but then also just her knowing the right steps to take with me, you know, we found that, you know, quite quickly. So it enabled me to get better and sort myself out, which was awesome. Yeah, no, brilliant. Well, I think it's just so great to hear that because I think we do hear so many stories sometimes, don't we? People like living with eating disorders for years and years and, you know, that Mm. people sometimes wonder, will I ever recover? And I think not to minimise your struggles, I'm sure you had some pretty low points and (laughs) you probably put in an awful lot of work and motivation to get to the other side. I think it's really helpful to hear, isn't it, particularly perhaps when we have earlier intervention and we get the right help actually recovery Mm. is really really possible yeah yeah as I say it's stories I would commonly hear a long period of time and even if you have an eating disorder and you feel like you have it for a month it's still obviously something that you want to go and sort out but if you pinpoint it at an early stage I think it's slightly easier to get over that recovery and I was grateful that I was able to target it earlier on in my life rather than you know 10 you know 15 years down the line which I was really grateful for sure So, Joel, can I just pick up on a few bits from your story? So I just wondered, like, when you first went to the sort of new school, like college, you said that you perhaps felt you didn't fit in, you know, the school you'd been at before, I guess it felt sort of safe, familiar, known, and you're suddenly in this new environment. It sounds like, did you have a little bit of a perhaps of crisis of confidence and feeling a bit different? Or can you talk a little bit more about that, how you felt at that time? Yeah, As I say, through that transition from school to college, I was already a little bit aware of, you know, just my body physically. And I could see that some changes had happened just through age, I believe. But at that time, you don't think about that and you're not really quite sure about it. So, yeah, I was going into college, not really sure how it was going to be, not knowing anyone. So, yeah, quite scared, really. And then, you know, I found myself seeing all these people who, you know, I didn't know and I thought, okay, the only way I can make friends here is by being someone who obviously, you know, looks confident, feels confident, all of that. So I felt like it was really something where my insecurity came from not being liked by other people. I thought that if I was overweight, which I never was, but I thought if I was like that, I would never make friends and it would be difficult for me to engage in conversation because I feel like behind my back, they'd just be saying, look at Joel, you know, this is you know, he's clearly overweight. And obviously, that is never the scenario. But my main thing was thinking I, I would be able to make friends if I look a certain way. So, yeah, that was the main pinpoint of the thing going on in my mind at that time. Yeah. And I thank you so much for sharing that. So I think it's such a common thing, isn't it? I think perhaps in our culture, sometimes if we don't feel that we fit in, or we're going through a transition or a stressful time, or our self-esteem has taken a plummet, that we feel that like losing weight, changing our body, somehow that's going to kind of make us feel better, be more accepted. And it's a very seductive route, isn't it, to get pulled down that road? Yeah, no, definitely. It is easy to, you know, fall to the common trends and think you need to look a certain way, be a certain way. But, you know, what I found as I started to grow through this phase and develop my own skills, I just found that being myself was the best thing. And obviously it's so cliche. For sure but you have your own strengths and 
you looking a certain way isn't necessarily going to bring that out. Of course, if you exercise and you feel good for it, that's going to bring your strengths out. But if you restrict yourself and, you know, to be a certain way, you're not going to be being your full self. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just found as I, it enabled me to mature quicker and kind of understand myself a little bit more, which obviously I am grateful for. I, I didn't look back mm-hmm. at my time with having an eating disorder and think, everything was rubbish of course it's not ideal and it's not what you want but also I'd learned a lot of really key valuable life lessons through it and I was really grateful for that if you're you know trying to take something out of a not a not a great scenario. And Joel when you were talking about just like not being right perhaps being more tired not yourself can you just say a bit more about that because I think often when people slip into disordered eating patterns, you know, physically and mentally, they can be massively compromised, but it almost becomes Mm. like the new normal. And sometimes they don't realise the impact of those symptoms. So can you say a bit more about what was it like for you when you just weren't right? Yeah, in my worst time having an eating disorder, which was towards the back end, I would be running 15k a day, burning a lot of calories, and I wouldn't put these back on I wouldn't eat the amount of food so I found that when it came to the evenings I would be really tired so when I would go and see my girlfriend you know I really struggled to engage in conversation I really struggled to stay awake and just enjoy certain things in life by being tired you can't experience so first of all you know with my girlfriend I wasn't myself and I couldn't be my best version to be able to enjoy that time with her and I think you know without knowing you can be short and snappy with friends obviously living at university there's times where you know you spend a lot of time with people they do get on your nerves and you can snap and that's not how I would usually deal with things so yeah it was a lot but the key thing for me I think was the tiredness I would come back drained after running then doing university work and then having a job at the same time I would be so tired and I wasn't fueling myself correctly at all so just being able to genuinely stay awake past you know sort of nine o'clock was a real struggle and it it stopped me from doing the things that I care about for sure Mm, yeah I know I think it's so helpful for you to just share that because I think it's just a reminder isn't it that of course in the moment when we're sort of locked into that coping strategy it can feel like it's the right thing to do but it does Mm. impact well-being so much doesn't it and really sort of compromises our enjoyment of life so much yeah yeah a hundred percent you think at the time it's the best thing for yourself but actually it's like you write a pros and cons list like I did when I was recovering and it's like okay the pros you might feel good in yourself at the time but the cons list outweighs it so much more because you know you can't go to certain events you can't as I say stay up past nine o'clock you're not yourself for people so it's just having that realistic conversation with yourself. Mm. And I guess that brings me on because I was going to ask you next actually sort of what was your almost I don't know if there was a light bulb moment or like you know when you suddenly realize actually this is disordered I need to get some help was there a sort of trigger point that brought you to that decision or was it accumulation of different things there was a couple of key scenarios really my first one I remember was when it was my birthday I had some friends around for some birthday drinks and we're having a really nice evening and then it got sort of like I think two in the morning maybe and I'd had quite a few you know, drinks at this time and I thought, right, I need to go on a run here because I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. So I need to make sure that I am burning these alcoholic calories that I've inputted. So I went on a run. I didn't tell anyone. I just disappeared. And then I came back and all my mates were like, what the heck's going on? 
and I just remember they like sat me down and I just started crying because I just didn't really know what was going on I just went on a run I didn't know why I did it well obviously I kind of knew why I did it because I didn't want to not run the next day but yeah I was like why I didn't directly know what this was to do with so that was a key point for me when my friends said we're here for you and that was really amazing and I sort of said I think I do have an issue so that was kind of the starter in terms of I understood what was going on and then the second thing was when this Freddie Frinsoft documentary was released he would speak about many different things you know training fasted skipping meals you know his mindset around eating purging and I was like wow everything this guy said is literally me and in the documentary he goes to a doctor and they diagnose him as you know having an eating disorder or being bulimic and I'm like wow this is me so yeah as I say there was a couple of trigger points there which enabled me to speak to people and create that next step in terms of that recovery journey Mm, yeah no well thanks so much for sharing that and I think sounds like your friends were really great and you were able to probably not intentionally at the time but you you know you're able to be vulnerable and open up and they sort of stepped in offered you support and I think that's so important isn't it for many people sometimes the first step is being open and just being able to acknowledge and say out loud for the first time something's not right yeah no definitely and that's something I speak about so much now in any sense, really, not just in an eating disorder, but when you're struggling with something, it's just that first person you spoke to, it's massive. And, you know, when I was younger, 17, I, I would stay at college with a friend in his room and he would notice that sometimes I had purged and he would ask me and, you know, he's my best friend now still to date, but he never did anything groundbreaking. He just enabled me to speak to someone Sorry, he didn't react to it into a way that was, you know, seeing me as doing something weird. He just spoke to me about it. And every now and then he would say, are you still purging? And I would have a chat saying, no, not so much at the moment. And he would just, you know, without doing anything groundbreaking, it was just enabling me to talk about something and for me to not feel like it was weird. So, you know, that's something that I feel is so key for anyone, you know, just speaking to someone who you're closest with, even though if you're not in a place where you're ready to change, it's still just you know, you're not sat there thinking this is really weird. You're still thinking, okay, someone who's close to me understands this. So this is fairly normal. This is something that happens. So always sharing and keeping those people in the loop is something that is difficult, but it also helps you even if you aren't ready to take that full step into recovery. Yeah, I think that's so validating to hear, isn't it? Because I think people perhaps do sometimes worry if they're not motivated for change, if they voice what's going on there may be pressure or people may react mm. and get really worried or upset but yeah like you said like with your friend it sounds like you were able to sort of just talk about it and you're really offered just sort of acceptance really and that was the most helpful thing wasn't it probably just feeling that you could be yeah. heard without judgment for sure for sure yeah it was amazing so Joe, can you tell us a bit more about your work with Caroline and sort of some of the things that really sort of helps you recover from your eating disorder yeah, so I was with yeah Caroline for a wonderful 12 weeks. She was amazing. I can't speak highly enough of her. My mum went on a course and Caroline spoke on it because my mum was trying to find out more about eating disorders. So she spoke to Caroline and got us in touch. And yeah, from the very get-go, I knew that I would get on well with Caroline. And yeah, so I met with her for 12 weeks, went through, spoke about a lot of different things. As I said earlier, like that pros and cons list you know, talking about writing out, this is me, you know, writing about things that you love about yourself, understanding a little bit about, you know, hunger scale, you know, something that's practical that 
can stop you from purging and doing little tasks and things like this. So it was amazing. And yeah, I went through around like eight, nine weeks and it was going well. You know, I was doing everything Caroline was saying and I was feeling better, but I still knew deep down that I was still thinking about, you know, calories. I was still thinking about, you know, what I was eating. I wasn't free, you know, if that makes sense. Mm. So, and then I remember I went on a night out for my girlfriend's 21st and I'm not a big drinker, but I ended up having a big night out and I ended up in a hospital and I was really ill. And I remember I had a session with Caroline like two days later and she saw me and she said, you look terrible. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't the greatest weekend. So she said, okay, this week I want you to not exercise at all. And for me, I was running most days. So this was like groundbreaking. She said, this is going to be hard, but we had been together for a long time at that point. So she knew that I was in a place where I could do it. So I had a week of not exercising and I spent it with my best friend who I spoke about, which was really nice. And I just completely switched off from it. And after that week, I said to myself, I was like, oh my goodness, like I've had a week here where I haven't exercised and I still feel great about myself. You know, I wasn't looking in the mirror thinking that I've put on weight. I wasn't, I wasn't talking negatively to myself because I hadn't exercised. I was happy. And I was like, so that was the real kind of groundbreaking thing and as I say the the things and the tools Caroline had given me helped me so when I did have that key moment where I couldn't you know exercise was the big thing that I grasped onto during my eating disorder but when I couldn't have that I had the tools around me to enable me to you know succeed in that moment which was massive so obviously coming back seeing Caroline the next week having someone to be accountable to was lovely because you can say you know I did it and it's really lovely to have that moment with that person that you care about and they care about you so yeah it was a really really enjoyable experience with Caroline I I can't thank her enough for what she did with me. Mm, Well that's wonderful to hear it sounds like yeah just a really valuable piece of therapy slash coaching on so many levels. Yeah. Can I ask you Don as well because I've got quite a few of my own clients that really struggle with over exercise sometimes the only thing that will enable people to stop is when they get injured or they get to a point where they just physically cannot do it and then they almost have to face their fears and live through (laughs) the non-exercise and come out the other side but can you sort of say as well for the listeners is there anything that particularly helped you in that week where you sort of almost had a bit of a reset with your exercise yeah I think like you say like you bring up injury like that's a massive thing straight away you learn that if you keep pan the pavements, whatever, you will you will get injured. But around that time, I was working with a running coach because I'm a competitive runner. And he always said to me, he said, doing no work sometimes is better than doing junk. He calls it junk mileage, so, right? So junk running. It doesn't get you better as a runner. You're just running for the sake of running. You're running for exercise. So that started to feed into me. And I started to say, okay, I can look at this week as a thing. Of, I can rest and recover and I can come back and I can be better. I can train smart. I don't have to do this certain distance every day. I can just show up every day and do something. And that is something that I talk about with clients in a health coaching setting, you know, showing up and doing something every day, how small it is, doesn't matter. Even if it's, you know, okay, I would stretch maybe rather than running because I know that my body is saying to me, this isn't right for you right now. So you're not feeding that disorder. You're not feeding your eating disorder by running or doing something else to then tone it back down. And I guess that week it was just thinking about that recovery process and just enjoying myself. You know, I was still, I'm an active guy. I walk around, all humans do, but I'm active in its own sense. And it's becoming educated, I feel, with that idea of 
you know, even if you don't exercise, you're still going to be working hard. Your body's still working hard if you're walking around doing a job, you know. And that's what I found was great because having that week where I just realised that we do not need exercise to, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. But, you know, having that week, I found that it was good because you can say, I can be healthy through everyday things, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I think it really, really does. And I love the concept actually of junk mileage because I think that's a great way of framing it, isn't it? And I guess it could be junk, whatever fitness, you know, if you're not a runner, you could apply that to something else, couldn't you? But um, I know for me, when I was hearing it in that way, it kind of helps you tap a bit more into your kind of values, doesn't it? And self-care and looking at the bigger picture. So I think a really helpful way of framing it. So thank you for that one. Sorry. So, Joel, can you tell us a bit more about your coaching, your health coaching? And I understand you're in training at the moment um, to be able to specialise with eating disorder clients. Is that right? Yeah, fully qualified health coach. And I'm yeah starting my eating disorder uh, training in April. So I'm all signed up for that. So, yeah, very excited to learn more and, you know, obviously be able to help more. So, yeah, no, when I was at coming out of uni, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. So I signed up for this health coaching course, but then went forward with the company that I was working with at the time and said I think I want to do this in schools which is the well-being program so I've been doing that alongside which has been amazing and yeah with the health coaching my key thing I say to people is that I help people create healthy and sustainable lifestyle changes you know I feel that in this world at the moment we're always looking for quick fixes and we're always looking for things to be easy and actually like getting over an eating disorder they aren't easy things so you know you are going to need to take a little bit more time with it and take it a little bit more slowly not biting off more than you can chew that's something I talk greatly about and just trying to bring back to people that you know if you educate yourself around food that's when it becomes easy if you're just constantly going on these four-week low-carb diets that's not how the body's designed you know we need these foods in our body to be able to fuel us and it's the same when you're going through the eating disorder stuff is you know you don't think that you need this food but actually from me eating properly and looking after myself me as a person overall is 10 times better you know I feel I'm just better in myself so it's just trying to create that awareness around eating food is healthy you know we do not have to restrict ourselves you know whether you have an eating disorder or not we need to find that healthy balance so yeah, just trying to create a bit more awareness and just allow people to enjoy what they're eating again, rather than just seeing as something negative and doing that in a slow and sustainable way. Yeah, I know. Great to hear. I always say to my clients, we always massively overestimate, don't we, what we can do in a couple of months and we underestimate what we can achieve in a year. And it's, um, I'm completely yeah. with you. It's the baby steps, isn't it? It's the sustainable, almost underwhelming change that is this change that's probably yeah. going to stick. yeah 100% and it's more fun that way isn't it you know if you try to lose a certain amount of weight by three weeks for people who I work with it's like that's not going to be fun there's going to be nothing fun about that you're going to go and do exercise that you hate you're going to go and eat foods that you hate but if we work together for three months or that's like one of my programs it's three months you know and you think what can we do in three months when we take our time we can leave in that chocolate that you love or we can leave in those pizzas on a Friday night that you love and we don't have to be boring we can enjoy life because that's what it is there for isn't it so very true and Jill could you say a little bit more about the work you're doing in schools because the well-being program sounds fantastic 
Yeah, it's great fun. The, the kids I work with are amazing and it's a real joy to see it, see, you know, them enjoying themselves. So it's like an eight week block and we I go into different schools. Sometimes I'm in the school for longer than that because I work with different year groups. But yeah, eight different sessions targeting things like the effects of exercise on the body, on the mind, looking at different areas of like different components of fitness so that every child can find a fitness which is a strength for them. So they're feeling uplifted. Yoga meditation understanding a bit more about food the relevance of teamwork also friends and then you know like a recap at the end to you know workbook to go over it so yeah really just targeting with small pinches of salt really you know little things about well-being and just getting them to understand how things work and why does exercise feel good why do we want to do that for our brain not just our body so yeah real small bite-sized things but yeah, really enjoyable. It's really nice to work with kids. And yeah, they bring a lot of enjoyment for me, that's for sure. Mm, well, so great to hear. And it sounds like a lot of that work is really sort of prevention, isn't it, I guess, and really sort of focusing on well-being and self-worth and looking after yourself. And all mm. those things are going to really hopefully help them feel more resilient and robust, I guess, against all the inevitable pressures and stresses that come, you know, as one yeah. kind of gets older. Yeah, definitely. Like the thing I say to them before we start the wellbeing program is I ask the kids to uh, put their hand up if they don't enjoy PE. And obviously not everyone enjoys PE and, you know, PE is amazing, but not every person is going to enjoy it. And I say this isn't a PE lesson. We are understanding why we look after ourselves because some kids get forced to do football or whatever. And they're like, you know, this is good for you, but actually not everyone would enjoy that. So it's trying to be inclusive and trying to let everyone find a strength that doesn't necessarily have to be on the full court or the football field. Mm, no, fantastic to hear. So Joel, if people want to get in touch with you about your coaching programs or maybe message you on social media, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, so at the moment, the best place to find me is just on Instagram. So it's wellspace underscore health coaching. And yeah, I'm fairly active on there. And you can reach out to me, follow me. And I just see, you know, what I'm doing, uh, trying to sort of bring more of a lightheartedness and understanding into eating disorders and health in itself. But yeah, the, my website is just in development. So that might be something that you see on my Instagram soon. Sure. Yeah. Now, these things take time, don't they? But Instagram's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, Joe, well, I, I will make sure that, um, you know, your Instagram is in the show notes, because I'm sure that um, some people listening will probably want to get in touch and just communicate with you and maybe find out more about the coaching as well. Yeah, for sure. No, that's fab. So, Joe, I just want to really thank you for coming on the podcast today and just for sharing your story so openly. And, you know, I think it, it's just so great to hear how, you know, you obviously weren't in a great place, but you were able to sort of reach out to some of the people close to you, access really helpful support and, you know, have progressed to a, to a very different place today. And I think that's just really inspiring and encouraging for the listeners to hear. So I really appreciate you sharing your story. No, thank you so much. Again, it means a lot for you having me on to try and create that awareness for others. So thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Joel. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Joel's info in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate, and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. 
Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.